Thanks for joining the West Valley Christian Church Podcast, where we believe God's greatest commandment is to love God and love people. We hope you enjoy. That is awesome. We are the church. And I'm telling you what a great way to start a Sunday morning is to have that worship. I really appreciate you on our team. That was amazing. Yeah, give it up. It's awesome. If you're online, thanks for being here today. We definitely want you to enjoy the service as well. Now, I, I, I really want to thank you guys for being here today to, to our first ever talent show. Um, I'm going to do some magic a little bit later, and then after that, we're going to have John Stahlberger come on up, and he's going to do a couple of songs from the Broadway hit Cats. He's been working on the outfit all week, so hopefully you guys like it. So we've been on a journey for this last, uh, I don't know, six weeks now, talking about what the church believes and what we think and what we teach and who we are. Okay, and we were really intentional about this because we want people to understand and know we're a family here. This is who we are. We love each other. We support each other. We give. This is who we are as a family. We had five baptisms last week and six people joining. We had another baptism last, ser- last service, and I think we got another person uh, transferring membership today. That's amazing. We enjoy that because that means we are the kingdom of God and we are growing in this world. And we, you're part of that. This is, this is a we thing. This is awesome to us. But I'm going to ask you through today's lesson, is there more? Let's pray. Father God, you're God. You give us everything. And Lord, I pray that, that my voice goes away and yours comes out. Thank you. Thank you for everything you provide. In your name, amen. So if I were to ask you, how do you gauge your value? What would you, what would you come up with? How would you do it? Would it be money? Bank accounts? Job? Status? Things around the house, friends, Facebook friends. I think I have like 550 Facebook friends. I don't have 550 friends. I don't even know how that happened. I couldn't name 550 people. Um, I was looking on Facebook the other day. You guys know Glenn Kirby. He has like 7,000 Facebook friends. And I think he has friends with them all. I really do. I mean, this guy really is intentional about that. I don't. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have that. Um, but it's like, how do we gauge ourselves as valuable based on what we have. If we listen to this world, if we listen to the the voices that are outside of us, I think we can get confused. So, like, movies tell us something, television tells us things, radio shows tell us things, magazines tell us things about what makes us valuable. I only live a couple of miles from here. I was driving home from work the other day, and on the way home, I turned on the radio, and all I got was commercials. And by the time I got home, I realized that in order to be valuable, I had to spend $2 million. I had to buy a house up on a hill. I had to go get a Tesla. I had to uh, start wearing Armani. And I had to switch to Boost Mobile Phone. For some reason, that was valuable. I can't figure that one out. But the the guy swore it would make me popular. I mean, if we look for the world around us to determine what makes us valuable, I think we, we miss. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that stuff. I mean, quite frankly, I'd love to have a Tesla. I mean, if, if anyone here wants to give me one, I'm, I'm really happy with that. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'd love the Tesla. I, my next-door neighbor has one. He's got a charging station. I could just plug into that. I'd be doing great. <laughs> my next-door neighbor's up here doing the sound on this, too. So if you're online right now and the sound kicks off, yeah, I know it's happening. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not saying things bad about the stuff in the world, but that's not what makes us valuable. Those aren't the things that matter. We, there's, there's something that we do when we look around and try and determine that we miss the real point. 
we miss the fact that we are valuable because God makes us valuable. We are valuable because he said we are valuable, not because the things in this world. I think what happens, though, is we'll sit and listen to the things in the world to the point where we get into the rat race trying to figure out what do I need to do next to be valuable. And for most people, that ends them into a rabbit hole of despair when they can't get that stuff. It's amazing how just the influence of the world can have an effect so much on people that they lose heart. There was a pastor friend of mine who went to China on a missions trip, and he was thinking about getting a tattoo. I think I might have had an influence on him at some point in time somehow. But he was planning, he was going to see if he could get it in China, and he saw a tattoo shop. And he walked by and looked, and he saw some beautiful artwork. And then he looked and saw a sign that said, Will not tattoo born to lose. And he thought, that's odd. Why would someone, first of all, have to put up a sign for that? I mean, a lot of people ask for that. Why would someone want to tattoo that on their body? So he walked in, and he talked to the tattoo artist and said, so what's going on here? Why is this? And the guy said, yeah, I just won't do it. There's too many people who are hurting in this world, and I won't help them with that. He says, well, what do you mean? Why, why would someone want to have that? He said, well, they listen to things in the world, and then they tattoo that on their heart. And then they come here and want me to tattoo it on their body, and I just won't do it. And I think that, that makes a lot of sense because we do that. We listen to the things of the world and we take it to heart. And that's just not the right thing. So the problem is we're looking in the wrong place. The problem is what we're doing is we're saying we have the ability to determine it. We're looking at the wrong things. There was a man who went on to a business trip to Paris. And when he was in Paris, he was, had a day off and was walking around and wanted to get a gift for his wife. So he went into a jewelry shop where they had some, some secondhand jewelry. And he saw something that he thought she would love. It was a gold bracelet, and it had some semi-precious stones on it. And he looked and saw it, and it wasn't expensive. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll get that. She'll like that. And then on the way through back here, through customs, customs wanted to charge him a huge amount to get it through. And he couldn't understand that because it wasn't very valuable. But when he got in, he said, I'm going to take this to a jeweler and find out. So he took it to a jeweler and had it assessed. And the jeweler looked at it and immediately set it down and offered him 20 times the amount he paid for it. So I'm like, why is this thing so expensive? It's basically a gold bracelet with some semi-precious stones. The jeweler handed him a loop and said, take a look at the inscription behind the jewel. And it said, to Josephine from Napoleon Bonaparte. If we're not looking in the right places, we'll never see the true value of things. If we're not trying to understand by a standard that we don't set... We're never going to understand. If we're setting the standard, we're the one who are saying what's valuable. And again, I'm going to say there's only one thing that makes us valuable, and that's God says you are valuable. And God made you his image bearer. You were made in his image. Now, wait a minute, that's actually two things, okay, that I said, the one. But, but realistically, they're, they're connected. That God said you are valuable at a core. He sent his son to die for you, and that makes you valuable. Valuable everyone here. He loves you, and everyone, if you're online listening, God loves you. That is a message we never back down from. But I got to admit, I don't know if I see that all the time, especially the bit where I'm made in God's image. I was thinking about that one time, God, I'm made in God's image. 
I looked up going, God, so when did you start losing your hair? The first service laughed at that one a little more. But, you know. This week has been tough. Tough on everybody. You know, there's, there's been a lot going on. And I got to start, it didn't start well for me. Okay, so, so, so Monday, I come in. I park where I normally park. I go upstairs and I'm working. And then I go down to get something out of my truck that I forgot. And all the school parking spots are, are full. And a lady pulls in and she has business at the school. And she looks at me, and there's only one parking spot left. It's right next to my truck, but it's over here on the church side. And she said, is it okay if I park here? I'm, I'm going to the school. And I just looked at her and said, yeah, of course. $5. <laughs> she reached into her wallet and pulled out a $5 bill. <laughs> I felt so bad. <laughs> I should have asked for 10 <laughs> I walked in, and Rob goes, you'd better tithe off of that. Seriously, though, this week has been tough, and I mean, everybody here knows why. There's been a you know, political address, social unrest, horrible things happening, war still going on, all kinds of stuff that can get us down, can make us start feeling like, like, like there's less reason to be valuable in this world, can, can make us start feeling like there's, there's something that we're doing wrong. And I started feeling that way. I started getting angry. Angry about things, angry about stuff, angry about people, angry about responses, just getting angry about it. And I started thinking to myself that I wasn't doing a good enough job as a pastor and there was something wrong and I was less valuable. And then I realized I was doing the very thing that I'm preaching against. We can't be the ones who choose what makes us valuable. It's God. We're valuable because of him, not because of ourselves. And if we miss that point, we miss everything. We're going to get caught in a circle of things that we can't get out of because we're using the wrong framework to understand who we are. We have problems in this world. Christians, non-Christians alike, we all have problems. I can't speak for the non-Christians. I can only speak for the Christians here. And, and what I'm saying is we need to come to God to understand why we're valuable. And that source that we come to is here at the church. Well, I, I know people who, who kind of ride that concept of church where they show up every now and then to, to feel that they can get just enough to get rid of the problems in their life but not enough to actually, you know, commit. And I get it. I get it. I mean, it's kind of like the whole spiritual gasoline. You know, I, I, you, I, I had to gas up last week. It would have cost $180 to fill my gas tank on my truck. I mean, you guys know, we know it. You have the same problem. 180 bucks for a gas tank. You know what that meant? That meant I put just enough gas in to get it through the week. <laughs> you know, but that's kind of what we do with church sometimes. We show up just to get enough to help us get through the week and not enough to necessarily change us at a core in who we are. And that's what God is looking to do. God wants us to be his children and be used in this world. And, and we run into problems, and we let it affect us. So Matthew tells a story about Jesus who was having one of those bad days. I mean, everybody was coming up to him, peppering him with questions and, and, and problems and trying to get him to, uh, uh, to answer questions about things that, that he wasn't even talking about. But they figured they, they, they could trip him up. So he's, 
he's, at, he's being asked questions that he's coming up with answers to, and you can see the disciples just sitting there going like, yeah, good answer, Jesus. You, you did that one right. You know, they're trying to act like they know what's going on, and they don't. And, and we know this because after he's done, Jesus walks up to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples follow him, and they say, what's going on back there? What did all that mean? What are you talking about? So Jesus shoots straight, and he starts telling them about the end times. He doesn't say anything specific. He doesn't give many, you know, when, where, why, or how stuff. But he tells them something that's even more important. He tells them that there will be people at that time that aren't ready. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, Matthew 25. Um, I'm just going to read the parable here. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five, he gave, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man had, who had received five bags of gold went out and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those, two servant, of those servants came back, and he settled his accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. So he said, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold came and said, Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not sow and that I gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then why didn't you just put the money in the bank so I could get interest on it when I returned? So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so he tells this story, and I'm just going to ask. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to put yourself into the story. Make yourself part of it. See, Jesus didn't preach this to, uh, to all the people who were asking him questions. He didn't get large crowds together. He told this to his disciples. This was made for Christ followers. And he said, I'm talking to you people about what's going on in your life. And he gave them basically three different categories where they could be. He gave them one category, which was a person who was performing with a lot. Another category, a person who was performing with some. And another category was a person who wasn't performing at all. And basically what he was saying is, Everyone fits into one of those categories. 
So these three servants, they were, they were given huge amounts of money. Now, now, the NIV that I just read, they changed it a while back because it used to say the word talent, which is what that was. The, the word talent is used in, in, in ancient Mesopotamia in those times. It's, it's an evaluation. It's, a, it's an amount. And a talent, it meant a lot of different things. There was a Babylonian talent. There was a Syrian talent. There was a Jerusalem talent. There were all these talents. Okay? And they all meant something different. So trying to figure out exactly how much this was is almost impossible. Um, but the thing was, in all those areas, it was an absurd amount of money. It was always huge. So, so basically, I've tried to figure it out, and they've, I've come up with, people said it's $200,000 for a talent. Others said it was $6 million per talent. So I'm just going to say, one guy was given $5 million, one was given $10 million, and one was given um, $50 million to, to, to work with. Now, when you think about that, the, these are disciples he's talking to. And the disciples are thinking, the man in that story is crazy. First of all, that amount is absolutely absurd to them. Because those amounts to a bunch of day laborers and fishermen, they wouldn't have understood it at all. They would have thought, that's crazy. Now, there were times in that time when a landowner, when a master would give his servants money. And he would let them go out and do things. And they'd, they'd, they'd work the household and they'd help them out. But it was never without checks and balances. It was never without someone looking over and making sure they were spending it right. Here, it's totally different. This master was saying, here, take this and run with it. And the disciples would have looked on that like it was crazy because no one does that. Now, there's a couple of things here. One, this, 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 this story is pretty simple and straightforward when you think about it because you know, the master is God. We are the servants. And the money is talents. Okay, well, <laughs> this is kind of fun because the Greek word for talent is talenta. And if you kind of follow the etymology of that and how it pro- progresses through time, it goes through four different languages before it gets to English. And in English, it translates into a very specific word, talent. And it, in talent, we see it as natural abilities and skills. And to me, that works out perfect when we look into this, this, this parable because God gave each one of us massive amounts of natural abilities and skills. And he gave them to us so that we can work together for a purpose. Now, Romans 2, Romans 2, 4. says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness was intended to lead you to repentance? The purpose that he gave us, these abilities, was specifically to connect us with him. First to show repentance, but then to have us part of his kingdom. That's why... He gave them to us. The purpose of us having talents is because of him. And I don't know about you guys, but I know there's a, there are times when it's easy to be prideful because of the talents that God has given us. So Jim Cordell and I uh, went and played golf one time. I think it was out in Paso Robles. Um, and we went to a golf course, a really nice one. And he, was, he and I were together. It was just two of us. So when you golf with only two people, they connect you with other groups. Well, there was a single who was golfing that day. So they put him with us. So we go out and golf. And Jim and I are golfing for fun. We're just having a good time. We're okay. This guy was a master. This guy was just, just nailing everything. He was hitting every ball perfectly. And, I mean, he could point to a place and go, the ball's going to land right there and knock it there. He was incredible at this game. And he was letting us know that on every hole. 
So, so we're going, wow, this is fun. Glad we came here today, okay? So this guy is being very prideful about his abilities. And, and, and we're going, okay, fine. We'll just, we're playing our game. So we got to about the 14th hole. And if you guys know golf, the 14th hole was what we call a dog leg, okay? And it was about, I'd say about 100 yards out, 150 yards out. And then it turns left and it goes at a 90 degree angle about 150 yards to get to the, to the green. Well, no one's going to be able to make that arc in one shot, you know? So you do what Jim and I did and you lob the ball out there, and then you go hit it again and lob it over there, and it takes you a couple of shots to get on. Well, this guy's going, I'm going to have the best game of my life with everything he's hitting. So he turns his, his, his stance to aim straight at the green. Well, that goes through a whole bunch of trees and then over a lake before it gets to the green. And we're watching this going, that's not going to work. I mean, and I said, I said, you do know you're, you're hitting into trees, brother. And he goes, oh, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Trees are 90% air. And he's, he's right. There's a lot of room for stuff to go through. But I'm just thinking this isn't going to work. And he lines up and he takes the ball and he hits this. And he sends back and he hits the thing out. The ball went straight at a trunk, hit it, and then bounced back straight at us. And, of course, my first thought is, saw that happening. And the guy's getting frustrated. And he sets another ball down. And then he hits again, aims it. Hits the trunk again. It comes flying back even farther behind us. So at this point in time, his score is really tanked from what he was doing earlier. And he's mad. He goes, all right. Takes the ball, sets it down, takes the club, swings at it, hits it. Ball hits it and then bounces back a third time. And I'm just kind of laughing. This is funny. And I look at the guy and he's mad. So he took the club and he threw it at the tree. The club spun like this as it kept going and passed through the tree without any problem whatsoever. (laughs) It continued to fly to about the middle of the lake and then dropped straight into the lake. And I looked, and I'm laughing. I thought, this is funny. This guy gets his comeuppance, all this kind of stuff. I look over at Jim, and Jim's just looking down. This guy's jaws dropped down, going, what? He goes, I loaned him my club. (laughs) Pride is a beast. And God doesn't want us to have anything to do with it. I mean, pride is something that destroys us. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. There was a man that came in and talked to a pastor. And he walks in and says, Pastor, I got a problem. The pastor says, yeah, sit down. So he sits down. He says, what's your problem? And the, pastor, the man says, well, Pastor, I, uh, I just realized I think I'm having a problem with pride. I come in here every week and I look around and I just see all the men in this church and I realize I'm so much better than them. I'm better looking. I dress better. Drive a better car. I'm I'm more intelligent. I'm I'm just better than them. And the pastor goes, let's see. Writes something down and says, yeah, I don't think you have a spiritual problem. I think you have a physical problem. Your eyesight's really bad. (laughs) Pride is destructive. Pride tears us apart. Pride is something that will stop us from being able to grow in Christ. See, it didn't matter the amount of money that these guys got. It was an absurd amount of money. It was completely absurd. Romans 12. Starting in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather 
Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, through, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to the, to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is mercy, do it cheerfully. See, the reason that we have gifts is specifically to do the things that God wants us to do here on this planet. He's all given us priceless gifts, and we need to handle them accordingly. Now, God gave different amounts to the different servants. And I think sometimes we, get, we can get caught up in that. We can misunderstand why someone might seem to have more gifts than we have. But I'm telling you, comparison is horrible. There was a, a pilot who uh, was flying from L.A. to Kansas City. And he had the same route. Every day he would fly back and forth, drop things off, pick things up. He flew there. Every time he got over Colorado, there was a specific mountain. He'd look down, and he'd see a little river. And he'd smile, and then he'd keep flying. Fly back, see the same thing, smile. Well, his co-pilot saw him doing that, and after a while, he asked him, he said, what is, what's so big about that, that, that mountain you keep looking at? And he said, well, when I was young, I used to live there. And I'd go fishing in that river. And I'd always look up and I'd see the planes flying over and I'd say, one day I'm going to be a pilot and I'm going to be up there. And now I fly over and I look down and I go, I wish I was back there fishing. See, when we compare, what we're doing is saying where I'm at isn't good and I need more. And that's the problem. It's too easy to get caught up in looking around and comparing it to other people. But in reality, we don't need to. God has given us everything that we need. The best part about it is it connects. It's supposed to connect to what we are and, and who we are. Just as that said, we're one body. We're, we're one body that God has given all the ability to, to be used on this earth. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit given is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits. To another, speaking in kinds of tongues, different kinds of tongues. And, to, and still another, to the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, just a quick note here about this. If you're looking at that list right there in Corinthians and you're going, uh, where do I land on that list? You know, <laughs> where's my miraculous power I'm getting? I'm just going to tell you it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, that's a tiny list right there, that Paul was using with a specific group of people who were arguing about that list. So he's talking to them and trying to get them to stop arguing. But that's not the list of gifts that God gives us. If there was a list of gifts, an actual list, it would be larger than the Library of Congress. 
There's so many things that God gives us that aren't on that list that are so much more powerful and better. So if you think you're going to get the power to raise the dead, most likely it's not going to happen. Now, I will admit there are some pastors who have the ability to raise the dead. After every sermon, they pray, and people just rise from the dead immediately. Okay, that worked in the first service. It didn't in this one. I apologize for that. Okay, but, but the thing is, if you're wondering about the talents that you've been given and you don't know what they are, you're thinking that, that, that you don't have these talents, you do. You do. See, they're, they're different. It's not about having specific things like prophecy and all this kind of stuff. It's having the ability to utilize your time. It's having the ability to utilize the abilities that God has given you, the things that are part of you, that make you you, that God programmed into you before you were ever born. A few years back, I took a, I took a group to Kenya, and it's funny because I was talking about this in the first service. There was no one in the service from that trip. There are six people in the service now from that trip. Okay, so they know exactly what I'm talking about. We went there with a desire to work in the slums. And the school that we work with there had about 500 kids in it. Now, I just want you to get the perspective on this for a second. Okay, so this school that we have here at this church has almost 300 students at it. For this entire property, there's 300 students. In Kenya, that school that had 500 students, the entire property is the size of this room. They have little tiny classrooms against the walls and in the middle that are set up that are about 10 by 10. They put about 50 students in each one of the classes. It's amazing how many kids they've packed in there. So we did our VBS in the classrooms against the back, and they would cycle kids in at about 50 a time to go into each one of them. We had worship in one area where we had a girl who was leading worship. She did an amazing job of just getting these kids pumped up to think about Christ. And then we had a, uh, next to that, we had a uh, place for crafts where, where the people doing crafts were showing them how to make things that had to do with the stories that were being told. And they were cool little things that kids could take home with them. And then we had people telling stories. And I'm telling you, if you're looking at this going like, well, what are the gifts there? I'm telling you, these, kids, these people were using incredible amounts of gifts. There was incredible abilities that God gave them. The craft people alone, just think about it. What abilities do you have to have to be in a room with 50 kids with glue sticks? Okay? That alone, they had these incredible abilities to, to focus them and give them the ability to do things, create things that they remembered. One of the kids came out and had an eye stuck in the middle of his head. I don't know which one of the, my, my volunteers did that, I appreciate them, though. That's cool, because it, it, looked, it looked great, okay? But these kids were enjoying the fact that they were reaching out and connecting with them, and they remember that. So the gifts that we had to do that, they were just from our normal, average, everyday lives. I had guys that were standing out in a trash heap te- teaching kids how to play different games with a soccer ball and cones, and those kids ate it up. You connect with people because of the things that God has put in your life. You may not even think about it. You may just think this is how I get through life. Well, that is what God is using as your abilities to glorify him here on this planet. It is amazing the amount of things that God has given each one of us and we don't even look at and think about. I'm going to tell you, God loves everyone here so much. He sent his son to die for you with the specific intention he wanted you to be with him in his kingdom. And that started a long time ago. He wants you to be in his kingdom using his gifts and abilities he gives you now to glorify him and to take part. In our parable, the talents were given to these servants based on the knowledge of their abilities to use them. 
But it wasn't because one was more powerful or better than the other. God judged them all equally. It looks like it was different, but it wasn't. Because what he did was he said, you've done great. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you've done a little, I will give you more. Come and share your master's happiness. He said that to the first two guys. The same thing. The rewards we get are the same, whether we're standing up in front leading worship, whether we're, we're talking to people on the road, whether we're cleaning up, whether we're setting up tables. I guarantee you everyone here has incredible gifts that can be used for the kingdom of heaven. You may not know that, but I'm telling you, if you don't know what your gifts are, we'll be glad to help because we're good at that. We're good at finding out how to get people to see and know God through the gifts that he's given them. You've all got talents that can be used here at this church and can talents to be the church. We've been talking about what it takes to be the church for the last six weeks. And I'm telling you that you guys are the church. Every day you reach out to people. You connect with people in this world. You are an extension of God to those people. You are a representation of God to those people. You're an image bearer of God to those people with the things that you do. You are empowered by God to reach out and let people know they are loved. You are empowered by God to show people his son. That makes you the most valuable people ever. God wants us to use his gifts to fulfill what he calls his greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's how we are the church, and that's how we are the most valuable ever. Let's pray. Father God, may your name be glorified in everything we do. I pray that your words are spoken here and that your words have connected with people. And Father, that we know you've given us the ability to change this world in your name. Lord, may we do that every day. Praise your name, God. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.